And you may be seated. We are continuing in our Advent series called Born, He Has Come. And this morning we are going to be looking at the song of the angels, the very Advent passage that we read earlier in the service. Let us pray and then we will open the word of the Lord together. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for this season. We thank you for the remembrance that we have that looks back to the Advent that was first. And we can also look forward to the Advent that is next. We ask, Father, that you will speak to us this morning. Holy Spirit, we ask for you to fall afresh upon us as we open up your word. May we be challenged, convinced, and convicted. I pray that we will look at Scripture not just as information, but also as a time for our own personal transformation. In your name, amen. Amen. When I was a youth pastor in New York, I did some crazy, weird things. And one of the things that we did was we had this contests that kids didn't even know they were going to be a part of. It was called Wake the Baby Jesus. And what we did is we got permission from parents, and around 3 to 4 a.m., we would go into the children, the, the young person's bedroom, clanging pots and pans and flashing floodlights in their room. And the winner of this contest that they didn't know that they entered was the person who had the best reaction to this crazy disturbance. There was one child who, as he was laying in his bed, began to freak out and fell on the floor and still was waving his arms and hands. He won the contest. Other students just bolted upright. For a moment, we're afraid of the disturbance that we created. But this young man, he took the cake with his response. And I remember as we were filming this as well, we went through uh, this one person's house and the parents' faces were so happy that this was going to happen to their child. It was encouraging, knowing that we were doing the right thing. I share that story because when we look at the angel's song, sometimes we can take for granted what was happening. This was a disturbance. This was one of those invasions of someone's right, good evening sleep because the angel's song disrupted the shepherds and reshaped all of history. It disrupted the shepherds. It was not a calm, quiet thing. It didn't transpire where the angels began to do what alarms do as they begin very slowly and silently and then get louder and louder. No, it was a boom! It happened. It was intense. You know, in our lives, though, we don't like to be disruptive. We like to just go down the path that we have planned. We don't like for things to kind of bring bright lights and clanging noises to our lives. Many of us like to just go at an even keel pace. But in the Christian life, that doesn't always happen. Often we are disrupted. 
were disrupted, maybe not with clanging cymbals or bright floodlights, maybe not with angels singing a loud song out of nowhere with the brightest lights possible, but we are often disrupted. And we need to allow the Lord to disrupt us in our lives. And Advent is a big disruption. The question that we're going to answer this morning from this portion of Scripture is what can the angels' disruptive song teach us about Advent? What can their song teach us about the first coming of Jesus? So we'll look to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 16. That is what we read earlier as we lit the candle, but let us read it one more time together. Luke 2, 8 through 16. The word of the Lord. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of a heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. We can see in this passage five keys to what this disruption in the shepherd's life can teach us about Advent. And the very first key that we can see is the key of audience. Advent is for all who hear the good news and receive it. Advent is for all who hear the good news and receive it. I I fully believe that who the angels announce this song to is as important as the message that was being spoken. Because they chose an audience that would not have normally been chosen. I think we take it for granted as we see shepherds in the field. We think about the idea of shepherd. We go back to King David, who was a good shepherd, who was a shepherd that was looked up to. He took care of the sheep. He killed bears and lions with his sling. And Jesus himself in the New Testament calls himself the good shepherd. And so when we think of shepherds, often good thoughts come to mind. But in Jesus' day, when they thought of the word shepherd, bad things came to mind. Shepherds were not trusted. Shepherds were not loved. Shepherds were dirty, stinky, smelly, and unwanted in regular life, in social life. A commentator named Evan says this, In first century Palestine, shepherds did not have the reputation for being overly circumspect with regard to the property of others. They were often held in contempt and considered as nothing more than roving vagabonds and thieves. That's who shepherds were 
In fact, shepherds were so untrustworthy in the time of Jesus' birth that they were not allowed to be witnesses in court. They were not allowed to be those people who would come in and witness to what had happened. They would be untrusted. And so their word was basically meaningless in normal society. So why in the world would angels come to such a stinky, smelly, vagabond group of people? And I believe it's this, that God is stating in this that everyone who comes to the Lord, no matter their background, no matter how smelly or how perfumey they are, they are welcome to receive the message. If the story of good news, newsworthy of joy, can come to the shepherds, there's no limit on the audience that God can speak to. It was a purposeful act. I don't know if you've noticed, but in the Word of God, God never does anything or says anything on accident. Each and every aspect of the Word of God is purposeful. Everything that is said is full and rich with something deeper than we can ever understand. And so I want you to see this moment, understanding who the angels came to and why that's important. The audience matters. Warren Wearsby reminds us, By visiting the shepherds, the angel revealed the grace of God toward mankind. God does not call the rich and mighty. He calls the poor and lonely and lowly. Advent declares, anything that has been broken can be restored. Anything that has been broken can be restored. We see in this moment a shift of change for the title shepherd. We bring it back to a redeemed aspect in the mind of the reader. The person who is experiencing this and reading this passage will see, even as Jesus talks about himself as the good shepherd and gives all kinds of shepherding language, in the New Testament we see the redemption of this as Peter calls pastors and leaders shepherds. That's what pastor means, shepherd. And so we see the redemption of this name, of this job, of these people. Advent can restore anything and everything. Because he came, it changed the world. This simple song brought about a reality of no matter who you are, no matter where you came from, the coming of Christ, the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ is for you. I think often we can walk in shame and believe that we don't deserve the goodness of God, which is true. We don't deserve it, but it is a free gift of grace and mercy that no matter where we come from, no matter who we are, we can receive this wonderful gift. And I say that also because in the Greek, that word that means all people means all people. There is nothing and there is no one who cannot be restored. Nothing and no one who cannot be restored. And as Paul would say, he loves that because he is the chief of sinners. And so are you. And so am I. The second key that we see in this passage of what this disruptive song means for Advent, for you and for me, is the key of glory. Because Advent shines the light of God's glory 
into man's darkness. Advent shines the light of God's glory into man's darkness. We see this moment where the angel comes with light and begins to speak to the shepherds, and they're filled with great fear, it says. But then a song is sung, glory to God in the highest. And a brighter light shines, and it is blinding, and it is loud. It is boom! We're here and singing a song. Imagine someone bursting into your bedroom and putting it on 1,000 decibels and singing a song in your room with the brightest light, like five suns, and the heat of all of that. Wow, that's intense. And that's what happened. These shepherds experienced a disruptive reality in their lives, and the shining light and the song that was sung was of the glory of God. I don't know if you've noticed, but we live in a dark world. We need the shining light of God's glory in our lives and in the lives of those around us. We need to be people who display the beauty of God's glory. Because we have been saved, if you have been saved, you have the ability to enter into the Holy of Holies, to experience the fear-filled, powerful, awesome, amazing glory of God. And we can be lights of His glory. Bach, my favorite commentator on the book of Luke, says such a bright light in the midst of the evening would have been an impressive sight. Luke intends the reader to visualize the contrast of dark and light. The glory in his, wor in his world is to have an effect on the reality of this one. This is where God begins to unfold his plan that heaven comes to earth. Because heaven invaded earth in the body of a baby. This is the song that the angels have sung, and that is point five, heaven invaded earth in the body of a baby. Can you imagine the story that is being sung, that glory is now in a manger wrapped in swaddling cloths? I know we can take this for granted because we step into this every year where we think about it and we read it and we take it for granted what happen but this was crazy wild news to people who would never expect to be hearing God's voice seeing God's glory and it says that God's glory is now in a baby that is crazy if you were to look at your baby when you had a baby you would probably never say that God's glory is upon that baby you'd say that beautiful baby is beautiful Right? But the moment that it poops, you're like, that's not glorious. <laughs> and they get older and it gets stinkier, right? <laughs> but here was a beautiful image that God has come. And the glory of God is here. And the display of the angels showing what that glory can do, showing what that glory means, was powerful. Heaven invaded earth. We see this, this word glory, and in Greek it's doxa, and it can also mean praise and greatness. And so there is this aspect that we are called to praise the Lord. We are not called to glorify ourselves. 
in Scripture, we see that the constant reality of the Christian life is to glorify Jesus, to glorify the Lord and the Lord alone. Yet we get into this trap of trying to praise ourselves, to tap ourselves on the back and say, wow, I'm, I'm so great. We're not that great. I'm not that great. Ask my wife. Ask my kids. It's true. Only praiseworthy thing, person on on this planet, in this universe, is God himself. And so as we hear this message of the glory that is in a baby, the glory that is given to the Lord, may we be people of praise. May we not take this time for granted. May we look at Advent and be filled with a desire to praise the Lord. Filled with a desire to give out of the goodness of God's glory. To love out of the beautiful passion of God sending His Son. Warren Wearsby says, The angels praise God at creation and now they praised him at the beginning of the new creation. The lowly manger was a holy of holies because Jesus was there. The third key that we see from this disruptive song and what it means for Advent and for us is the key of joy. Catch this. Advent breaks down fear and brings great joy. Advent breaks down fear, and brings great joy. As this angel came to these shepherds, they were obviously, clearly afraid. It says they were really, really, really afraid. They were terrified afraid. They saw the glory around this angel. They heard the message of this angel, and they were afraid. Imagine this big, loud boom. The glory of God comes, and an angel is speaking of something that is beautiful and wonderful, but you can't listen fully yet because you're terrified. That would be scary. That's why that kid, when we busted into his room with pats and pans and the bright lights, fell out of his bed because it's disruptive and it's scary. But the angel says something beautiful. He says, fear not. Fear not. Fear not. And he says, this is the reason why. Because this is good news that will bring great joy. How often do we live in fear instead of joy? How often do we walk fearfully in this world, constantly afraid of what's happening, what's going on, and we have this fear-mongering media all over the place that wants to just grasp us with fear, and we watch all of this news and consume all of these things because we're afraid. We finally want to find, is there a solution to all this craziness? Is there one? But the truth is that Jesus is the one who brings us joy. The good news of Christ's coming brings us joy, and that is the only reason for joy in our lives, because he came and brings us joy. The angel purposefully says the words great joy, because the Greek word for great is megas, and that's where we get the word mega. 
right? Someone's like, oh, that's mega big. Or that's a mega Oreo, which is like this thick with cream. I love those. But my body does not. Large, huge, surprisingly big. That is what they're saying about this joy that we can have. You and I can have a mega amount of joy because he came. You know what's really sad about this season? Is that the one thing that seems to be lacking is joy. You know, you have the the Black Friday sales, and I remember when Furbies were coming out, these parents were jumping over each other, punching one another, literally, to get this crazy, ugly thing called a Furby. Does anybody remember that? There's actually one woman who died in a Walmart because she was run over and a heel hit her jugular. Because this one woman who had a heels on in, the, in a Black Friday sale, no idea why that would even happen. If you're trying to run, right? That's, I don't know, I can't even, I, uh, anyways. But the one thing that's missing is joy. When we open up our Christmas gifts, we might open them up and be disappointed. <laughs> why is that happening? Because if we understand Advent, properly and the disruptive good news that comes with this great announcement we should have mega joy we should be walking in that joy and as believers people should be so just why are you so joyful they should be almost offended by our joy have you ever offended someone by your joy where you're just like (laughs) i'm so joyful Woo! i love you man i love you man i love you man Yeah, you can have the Furby. I don't need it. (laughs) I don't think I've ever seen that happen. We want that TV that's on sale. Right? It's just, it's crazy how little joy is in this season. But the reality of the good news is mega joy. One pastor said, The appearing of Jesus in human history means the end of gloom despair, and hopelessness. The end of gloom, despair, and hopelessness. How often are we living with gloom in our lives? How often are we living with despair in our lives? Man, this is, this is the thing, a reason why I turned off all news is because I found myself despairing about the world, despairing about what's happening next, despairing about, man, I just spent $85 to fill up my van. That's gloomy. But I can say the joy of the Lord. I have the money. I have the vehicle. That's a beautiful, wonderful thing. There are several people in this world that don't have the money or the vehicle. We can have joy. This is what Advent brings. The end of gloom, despair, and hopelessness. How often do we see people inside and outside of the season of Advent walking hopeless? We can bring mega joy to the hopelessness of this world. We are the ones who should experience this mega joy the most, and we should share this mega joy. When someone is annoyed by our joy, we can say, you can be annoying too. Because we have great joy. We have great joy. 
The fourth key is the key of Jesus. Advent sings of Jesus as Savior, Christ, and Lord. The angels stated, For unto you this day is born a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And each and every one of these Greek words, Savior, Christ, the Lord, are full of power, packed with meaning. And we can just skip over them. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's Messiah, he's Jesus, he's, he's the Savior. But these words mean so much. The very first word that we see, the Greek word soter, means rescuer, deliverer, or preserver. We have a rescuer out of the hands of Satan, out of the grip of sin, out of the fear of hell. We have a Savior who has rescued us from that. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is the only Savior. He is the only rescuer. And the angels sing of this beautiful thing. And as those shepherds were there, they would have known enough of the Old Testament to celebrate the reality that there is a rescuer. That this promise of rescue is in this baby. Advent reminds us of our inability to free ourselves. As they see this story of a Savior, the rescuer, it's a statement not just of who Jesus is, but of who we are as well. Because we cannot rescue ourselves. We can't. No matter how hard we try, we are still chained. Chained to the grip of sin. The only way we can get out of that is through Jesus himself. Because he came, he died, and he rose again to free us. To free us from our prison. Evans says, therefore, to announce that the Messiah was born would be to announce the arrival of the day of Israel's deliverance. Because the word Christ, Christos, means anointed one or Messiah. These angels are proclaiming the truth of Jesus as the Christos, the Messiah, the long-awaited Savior and Messiah. Beautiful. They would have caught the meaning of these words much quicker and much easier than you and me. Advent reminds us that this life does not revolve around us, but around Christ. I think this is why we miss the joy of Advent, because we continue to make it about ourselves. Guess what? Compared to Jesus, you're not that interesting. Compared to Jesus, if you were to list out all your accomplishments, he would say, <laughs> hold my Pepsi. Because he is great. He is wonderful. He is marvelous. He is Christ, our Messiah. He is Savior, Christ, and Lord. The term for Lord is kurios, and it means this, Lord, ruler, or one who commands. So these words are packed with not just truth, but also theological understanding of who Jesus is. 
These angels are saying that he is our Curios, the one who commands, the only one, the Lord of all, the King, the Savior, the Messiah, and God himself. The shepherds would have understood. These angels are saying that this little baby is God. <laughs> what? No wonder they were curious. No wonder they're like, we got to see this thing that has happened. I'm sure that there was this weird feeling of, well, we got to see the proof of this. This is a crazy, mega, joyful, filled story from these angels, and we've got to go see it for ourselves because we want to find this Lord, this King, a baby who is God. I mean, again, we take these things for granted. But, I mean, if you were to literally think about the truth and reality of the Incarnation, it's mind-blowing. I've always said that the Incarnation of Christ is the greatest mystery in all of Christendom, except maybe through the, the idea of the Trinity, that we have difficulty understanding these things. Someone say, well, what about the resurrection? I can fathom and understand the idea that someone who is dead has come to life. I can actually picture that happening. But God coming in the form of a baby, what? How is that possible? We believe it, and we own it, and we know it to be true. But it is a great mystery that we could never try to unravel. And it's okay because when we open up the scriptures, there's lots of stuff that are mysterious, and it's left that way on purpose. You and I could never understand the totality of scripture, and that's okay. Why? Because we have finite minds. We're humans. You can have degrees as big as Fahrenheit and still not understand the fullness of scripture, and it's okay. But Jesus was God himself. Bach, he says, the term will clearly come to refer to the absolute sovereignty and divine relationship that Jesus possesses as the one who brings salvation. I said there were five keys. We've gone through four. The fifth key of the disruptive truth of Advent is the key of peace. Advent brings peace to all areas of life. Warren Wearsby reminds us the Jewish word for peace is shalom, and it means much more than a truce in the battles of life. It means well-being, health, prosperity, security, soundness, and completeness. It has to do more with character than circumstances. Life was difficult at that time just as it is today. Because we live in a chaotic, hopeless, despairing, gloomy, joyless world, we need the truth of the advent that brings peace. You need shalom. And it only comes through Jesus Christ. Have you felt stirred up, sad, fearful, hopeless? Have you walked in inner turmoil rather than inner peace? Have you believed the lies of the enemy that has spoken over you? Have you walked in a peaceless life? Jesus promises peace. The angels' song say that Advent brings shalom. May we rest in that truth. Advent offers peace with God. 
peace with our neighbors, and peace with ourselves. Because God is bringing the peace. Advent is so much more than what we make it out to be. Advent is for an audience that doesn't deserve it. The glory of God comes. The joy of the Lord is our strength, the mega joy. Jesus has come as Savior, as Christ, and as Lord. And this brings us peace. If you've been struggling with peace, if you've been struggling with joylessness, if you've been struggling with gloom, despair, and hopelessness, as we sing this next song, stay seated and ask the Lord to fill you with that which you need this morning because He came. Because He came. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your love. We thank You that You showed up to stinky, smelly shepherds because we are those very stinky, smelly people. Thank You for Your glory, the joy that You bring, the reality of salvation as God came in the flesh and the peace, the shalom that is ours because He came. In Your name. Amen.